Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Say Why to Drugs. And have I got a treat in store for you today? Well, yes. Yes, I do. An episode about CBD has been requested for a long time, so I'm really pleased to be able to bring this chat to you with a real expert in the field, Dr Amir England. Amir is from King's College London, where I went to meet him to record this conversation. We cover what's known about CBD from well-conducted studies, and also how likely it is that the CBD-infused hummus and the like that you can buy on the high street actually contains what it says it does. We also answer a load of the questions that you tweeted in before I recorded this episode. So I really hope you enjoy it. Dr Amir England and I say why to CBD. First of all, can I just get you to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Amir England. I'm a cannabinoid psychopharmacologist here at King's College London. And for the last decade or so, I've been running experimental cannabinoid studies, mostly in healthy volunteers, but also done some clinical trials with CBD for schizophrenia. Fantastic. Well, CBD is the reason that we're here today, because it's something that I've had a lot of requests for a podcast about CBD. First off, can you just tell us a bit about what CBD is? So CBD is the second most common uh, cannabinoid in the cannabis plant. We know of around 144 different cannabinoids so far. So after THC, which is the intoxicating compound, CBD is the most common. CBD is not intoxicating, but seems to have quite interesting and promising psychiatric and physical effects requires a lot more research still. And I guess people are interested in CBD because it seems like over the past few months or maybe a bit longer, it's suddenly everywhere. So Bristol, where I used to live, has just opened a CBD cafe called Mary Jane. <laughs> um, and you can buy CBD hummus, you can buy, C- well, Ben and Jerry's are talking about CBD ice cream, CBD coffees, you know, it's in loads and loads of products. It's being sold in health food shops as a sort of treatment for almost anything. Do you have any idea why the sudden rise in interest in it? Good question. I was going to say as well, soon you'll be counting which products don't have CBD in it. The appeal, I guess, would somewhat stem from it coming from cannabis, obviously, because cannabis is quite exciting, potentially being a bit taboo, but also being kind of the, the nice or good guy of cannabis, which, you know, THC is the intoxicating one and related to some harms. But CBD so far, we, we don't really know of that many risks of use from CBD. 
And then obviously the other components, natural works fine if you're trying to sell supplements. That's a good word to use. So yeah, and, and together with quite some promising, I would say, basic research, so studies into cells and animals show quite promising effects in various different types of models of disease conditions. But that's still a far way away of saying that it works for disease conditions in humans. So do we know much about who's using CBD at the moment? Not really, no. Uh, to my knowledge, there's not been a, an investigation into the type of user market, but the, the way it seems to be uh, marketed is as kind of an alternative therapies type product. And how is CBD kind of created for these products? Is it extracted from the cannabis plant or is it kind of synthesized in a lab? How, how are we getting the CBD oil out of the cannabis? So most of the CBD and the CBD products would probably come from a hemp variety. So in Europe, hemp is allowed to be grown if you have a license, and the conditions are that it's a cannabis variety that has less than 0.2% THC. If you smoked that, you wouldn't feel any kind of intoxication? Not really, no, you'd have to smoke a lot of it. But can you also get CBD out of a cannabis plant that does have THC as well? It'd be very difficult to kind of separate the THC from the CBD. So that I think that's why most people are going for hemp varieties that naturally produce very low levels of THC. So we talked about um, CBD doesn't have the kind of cannabis intoxication effect that THC does. So what if you take CBD, what does happen? Do we know much about, like, do, are there any short-term kind of intoxication but not intoxication effects of mm. CBD? So far, no. So I've used CBD in, in my studies and people who get pure CBD cannot distinguish it from placebo. And we gave pretty high doses. We gave 600 milligrams in, in one go. Some of the stronger bottles will have around 600 to 1,000 milligrams. So that would be equal to necking a whole bottle of CBD oil at once. And then that people couldn't tell when, when it was placebo controlled. So them not knowing whether or not they got the real CBD or just uh, an identical placebo. And then does it have any effects that you sort of you wouldn't be able to tell? Does it have any longer-term effects? So in healthy people, not really. Not what we've seen so far. There have been some... Because CBD is now a medicine for uh, a couple of types of rare forms of childhood epilepsies, there have been some longer-term studies in healthy volunteers, and those haven't really seen that much. There's a bit of kind of gastric problems like a bit of nausea and, and diarrhea related to its use but apart from that not really there was one study uh, that gave really high doses to heavy cannabis users so they they received up to 4500 milligrams wow. of cbd and they they felt some kind of rewarding drug effects from that but that's an extreme dose does the method that you consume cbd impact on sort of how much of it gets into your bloodstream or into the brain. Do we know much about that? Because obviously you can swallow cannabis oil, you can potentially vape it, you can take it as a kind of tincture, sort of mixed with, I don't know, like an alcohol-like substance or something like that. So does that does the method in which you consume it impact on, on sort of how much of it you absorb into your body? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, inhaled 
we there, there's quite a bit of variation from study to study, but on average, it's about 30% gets absorbed. However, when you take it orally, the, the average is around 6 to 10%, so it's quite poor oral absorption. Some recent studies have, however, seen that when you have it with food, particularly fatty food, you can quadruple the absorption of oral CBD. Oh, wow. Yeah. There haven't been that much research into different types of formulations, whether it's in oils or in alcohol solution or, or in powder and so on. And I guess one of the things to say at the moment is that certainly in the UK, there's not really any kind of regulation about CBD products, is there? So although we might buy something in a health food shop that says it contains whatever percent mm. CBD, have there been any studies looking at how accurate that is? Yeah, there has been. Not in the UK, to my knowledge so far. There's one study from Holland, one from Italy, another one from the Czech Republic. There's another one in America as well. And invariably, we see that most CBD products are incorrect in terms of their labeling. So they either have more than they say or less than they say. In Holland, for instance, I think a quarter of the samples actually didn't have any CBD at all. And they're often also wrong on the THC content. Now, you might think, oh, what's the point? It's just 0.2% or maybe a bit higher, a bit lower, who cares? But if you're taking CBD oil regularly, and because cannabinoids are fat-soluble, so they might stick to body fat, you might get an accumulation over time. And therefore, you might, if you get drug tested, you might show positive for that. Because the thing you're actually testing for when you do urine test is a THC metabolite that's far easier to detect than actual THC. So that's something that people should be aware of if they are using CBD. Yeah. That potentially... Have uh, levels of THC been found in these CBD products that might be high enough to get you intoxicated? I would say usually no. Mm -hmm. However, there have been studies where both a CBD oil and a CBD vape have been contaminated with a spice compound. So that's a synthetic cannabinoid. Yeah, synthetic yeah. cannabinoid. I think you had a, po you had a program on it yeah, yeah. before. So you don't want to come near any synthetic cannabinoids. And actually, one of these case reports was in an eight-year-old boy with epilepsy oh, whose wow. parents bought the CBD oil to treat the epilepsy. And obviously, they're very well-intentioned and want the best for their child. But that kid had to be sent into A&E with kind of serious psychiatric symptoms as a consequence of like an adulterated CBD oil. Adulteration is something that is a concern of these CBD oils because the Czech study actually found that a majority of these oils had above safe levels of what's called polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, mm -hmm. which is like a byproduct when things are improperly heated and those PAHs, as they're called, are highly carcinogenic. So that's, you know, as a consumer, even though that you're, you're not too concerned about the CBD, you'd like to know that's but in it. not taking something else. Yeah, absolutely. I guess this is probably a good point to come on to some of the potential myths and misconceptions that exist around CBD because it's suddenly appeared everywhere. Personally, I know a lot of people who have started taking it and say that it really helps with anxiety symptoms or sleep symptoms or, you know, it's been marketed as a treatment for a variety of illnesses as well as this new legislation that's making it 
appropriate to be prescribed for things like childhood epilepsy, it's also being touted as being a treatment for all sorts of other things. So mm. what do we know about the evidence for CBD in relation to things like anxiety and insomnia and these kind of things? Mm. So there have been a few anxiety studies. Sadly, none of them in a way that you would want where people take it on a daily basis and see how their kind of baseline anxiety gets influenced by mm -hmm. CBD. Those studies have only been done in kind of experimental settings. So you as a participant come in to a lab, you take CBD or placebo, and then you have to give a presentation in front of like a mock panel. So that tends to make people quite anxious. So there have been a few studies in healthy volunteers, one study in uh, social anxiety disorder. And they, they do seem to see that CBD does work in that one instance. It reduces the anxiety provoked by this public speaking task. However, the dose ranges that worked were around three to 600 milligrams. So they tried doses lower and higher, and neither of them worked compared to placebo. So there seems to be a little bit of evidence when it comes to anxiety, although it's not the kind of classic anxiety that people experience in And it's kind life. of sort of short-term anxiety about a particular event that you have to do rather yes. than kind of longer-term mm. anxiety, oh, I don't want to say disorder because that feels like the wrong word, but longer-term anxiety symptoms mm. that aren't necessarily triggered by specific things. Yeah, exactly. And, then, and I guess that's harder to research. Yeah. But not, no, you, but not you need to do a yeah. clinical trial and that's quite costly and time-consuming, mm. but... I'm sure that that's being done somewhere. Yeah. And one of the things that people often say about cannabis and its byproducts is, well, how are you going to persuade a pharmaceutical company to run a clinical trial? Because where's the money in it? But I mean, looking around at the moment, someone's making money out of CBD. So mm -hmm. potentially there would be motivation yeah, to do absolutely. that. Absolutely. And governments are putting in more money into cannabis research mm -hmm. now as well. And what about sleep? Do we know much about the effect of CBD on sleep? So there was a recent paper that came out last year uh, gave 300 milligrams to a group of healthy volunteers so they came for two visits and they slept over at the lab and this 300 milligram was the same dose that worked for the same kind of population in the anxiety studies and CBD did nothing and they measured both subjective and objective measures of sleep so time spent in different stages of sleep and REM sleep and quality of sleep and time of onset of sleep so there was Compared to placebo, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. But the problem is placebo does something. Well, one of the, So I put out a tweet asking if people could ask an expert something about CBD, what would they ask? And my favourite <clears throat> reply was, does it actually do anything or is everyone just placeboed out of their minds? <laughs> I think the likelihood of people being placeboed out of their mind is quite likely. But that doesn't mean it doesn't work in, or doesn't no, have exactly. an effect. Well, in the one of the main reasons I would say that is that because the amounts that are in these products are so low compared to what we use in studies. You know, if I always use... You mean products that you can buy on the high street, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, the kind of example that I commonly give is if you went to pharmacy to buy some paracetamol for a headache that you have, and they have five milligram instead of 500 milligram tablets. It's not going to touch the sides. Yeah. No. Going back to sleep quickly, people who regularly use cannabis mm. say that or often report it impacts on their sleep and it sort of stops dreams or reduces dreams. Mm. And there's been some suggestion that the reason that cannabis might be linked to 
improvements in anxiety symptoms might be to get rid of sort of intrusive or traumatic dreams. So I don't know whether that's THC or CBD or whether it's kind of just anecdotal report and there's not really any evidence. To, to my knowledge, there's not a lot of evidence. However, there has been some studies to, to show that cannabinoids can interfere with the kind of reconsolidation of negative memories and there have been some studies into PTSD related symptoms and although there's a mixed finding when it comes to cannabis and PTSD people who have it use cannabis quite a lot and some studies show benefit while others show that cannabis actually worsens it but we don't really know whether or not it's the people who are already worse off that are more likely to use it. Mm-hmm. So the, the picture is not really clear there. I mean, cannabis can acutely, during the intoxication, have anxiety-relieving properties, just yeah. like alcohol. Mm-hmm. But can also induce anxiety, exactly. just like alcohol. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're it, not at the stage where we know which cannabinoids are responsible for these kind of things necessarily. Well, we, we know that CBD does work but then you need a quite a substantial dose Mm -hmm. for that and we know that THC works but THC works more in in a kind of inverted u-shaped dose response meaning that kind of lower doses will help ease anxiety while the higher ones will make you more susceptible towards it. So let's think about some other potential myths and misconceptions. I um, attended a really interesting meeting about cannabis and mental health in Exeter last week and one of the things that was mentioned was that people who use CBD claim that they have better results from using CBD that's been extracted from cannabis plants rather than CBD that's been extracted from hemp plants. And that doesn't really make any sense if you're just thinking about CBD, the the molecule, should be the same from either. So some people are talking about entourage effects that kind of other compounds are coming along as well with the CBD. How likely is that or how likely is it that if you extract CBD from cannabis plants, you're also extracting more THC? Well, you're, you're more likely to extract THC if it's from the plants. If you just synthesize CBD, that's all you have. Mm-hmm. And as you say, it's correct that the plant makes an identical molecule as you can synthesize synthetically. So CBD is just a molecule. Whether or not a plant makes it or it's made in a lab makes no difference. Mm -hmm. Um, The entourage effect, although interesting, there's no actual evidence for it. This stems from um, quite an interesting paper, a very hypothetical paper written (laughs) by a guy called Ethan Russo. He, He wrote about cannabis being more than the sum of its parts thinking of the cannabinoids interacting and uh, the terpenes and the flavonoids, other kind of smell compounds from the plant. Although that's interesting, there's actually no proof that that's the case. It's just a sort of hypothesis that hasn't been tested yet. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And it's really, really difficult to, to tease that out because you would have to control it in such a manner that you have pure THC in one condition, THC and CBD in one other condition, THC, CBD, and terpenoid A, etc., etc., etc. How many hundred of cannabinoids, let alone when you also include the terpenoids and everything else? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's feasibly close to impossible to do. It's not impossible completely, but to fully elucidate this whole entourage effect and whether or not you need the terpenes or not is going to take ages for us to understand. But what we do know is that the terpenes 
and the other cannabinoids in most cannabis plants are in such a low concentration that they're really, really unlikely to have any biological effect. So yeah, the main reason I asked that question is because one of the comments that I got on Twitter was, is the hemp-derived CBD just snake oil? Which kind of implies that you need the CBD extracted from cannabis plants rather than hemp plants. I mean, this is a confusing way of phrasing it because like, hemp is cannabis, right? It's just with different levels of cannabinoids in it. Yes. So... It's just cannabis varieties that have been put in a, a special box where you say these varieties make so little THC. And probably they're also specifically bred for their fibres and their seeds. So one of the other questions that was asked on Twitter was, do we know much about the mechanism of action of CBDs? Do we have any working hypotheses about why it might be beneficial for anxiety or any of the other things that it's been sort of touted, childhood epilepsy, for example? The kind of key mechanism of action depends on which condition you're talking about. We know of many different mechanisms of action of CBD, but it's extremely difficult to say that that's the key mechanism for CBD and anxiety. What you need is kind of animal model studies. So you give CBD together with a blocker of a certain mechanism. And in those studies of actually shown that it seems to be serotonin receptors that might be important for the angiolytic effect. And serotonin's a neurotransmitter that's linked to kind of what? To, to, to mood effects, particularly, you know, that classically the antidepressants are serotonin reuptake inhibitors, so they'll boost and So it's quite a levels. plausible mechanism yeah. of action then. Yeah. yeah. One of the other questions that we were asked that I think is quite interesting is, um, are there any benefits, if people are using cannabis regularly, are there any benefits to taking CBD alongside using cannabis? Well, it depends on how they take the CBD. So I've, I've heard of people who have been able to get a hold of CBD buds and they use that to fill out joints rather than tobacco. So if you can avoid tobacco, that's so is that good. CBD sort of fro- straight from a cannabis plant that's very high in, T- in CBD and low in THC? Exactly, so. yeah. And anecdotally, I've heard that they're available in certain vape shops. So you can buy cannabis buds that look like cannabis, probably smell like it as well, but have very low levels of THC and higher levels of CBD. And the ben- I guess the benefit of... Re- of- replacing out the tobacco is quite strong but in terms of just cbd itself because there are some studies that have looked at the impact of cbd in kind of mitigating some of the strong strongest probably not the right word but some of the effects of thc Mm. if you give someone in fact i think these are your studies aren't they if you give someone cbd before you give them thc they experience less kind of psychotic like symptoms from the Mm. thc yeah, so that one study that we did, we gave people this 600 milligram tablet of CBD before we gave them a big dose of THC. And we saw that fewer number of people experience paranoia and psychotic-like mm. experiences while they were under the influence. All of these effects wore, wore off a couple of hours after the drug wore off. I guess that's so, key. It's talking about the transient intoxication effects of THC, not the kind of potential longer-term risks of yeah, heavy exactly. use of I mean, we, we THC wouldn't, cannabis. Yeah. No, we wouldn't be allowed to do these studies no, if course, we gave yeah. people <laughs> permanent psychoses. The, these are Good. short... <laughs> 
ethics works. Yeah. No, but these these studies, participants report kind of very mild but still psychotic-like symptoms. So they're, they're nowhere near what people with actual psychotic illnesses experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're still in the same kind of phenomenological realm of phenomena. Mm-hmm. And so, then you also talked about clinical studies that you've been involved in looking at giving CBD to, to patients with schizophrenia, is that right? Or yeah. with psychosis? Yeah. So we did uh, a big multi-centered study here at King's together with GW Pharmaceuticals, which is one of the big companies that Do they make, make Sativex? They make Sativex and yeah. they make Epidiolex, and Epidiolex is their epilepsy slash CBD drug. Right, yeah. They gave us their Epidiolex to use in, in that study, and that was 88 patients who had schizophrenia, they were taking their antipsychotic medication and they were randomized to receiving CBD or placebo on top of that. And compared to placebo, CBD did better in reducing what's called positive psychotic symptoms. So they're kind of delusions and hallucinations. Things that shouldn't be there that are there. Exactly. Yeah. It improved that and the clinician's rating of the patient's improvement was far better. And were the they, they were group. blind to the condition, so they didn't yes. know whether the person had exactly. been given CBD or not. In yeah. fact, I think I might have written a blog about that paper, so I'll put that in the links to the podcast. Very interesting stuff, but again, so quite small scale. And Yeah, there, there's one study in Germany prior to, to the one that we did that showed a positive effect that compared CBD to regular antipsychotic was 42 patients and CBD did as well as a regular antipsychotic but without any of the common side effects that antipsychotics have. And lastly, a study that came out last year was in treatment-resistant schizophrenia. So these are patients that, in spite of whatever treatment they've tried, they've not responded to any of the treatments. CBD uh, did not work in that study. So two out of three studies so far has shown that CBD might help for schizophrenia, but still small-scale yeah. studies. And these people were still taking their regular medication as well. Is a- that right? Apart from the, the first German uh, right. study. So you were either randomized to getting CBD alone or the antipsychotic. Very interesting. Another question I got was, is CBD addictive? So far, it doesn't seem to be. Um, possibly because it doesn't seem to have an intoxication effect. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, there was that one study where kind of cannabis addicts took 4,500 milligrams, and that had some kind of abuse liability, as it's called. But to normal users and people who would be exposed to CBD in research studies, it's definitely not addictive. I mean, one big thing when it comes to CBD is its involvement with epilepsies, and it's very topical because mm-hmm. last summer it was approved in the US as a medicine. So CBD is now, you know, you can get it in prescription in America. And it's currently pending an approval here. Um, well, maybe not here, but in the EU. Mm-hmm. So it might become a medicine later this year. Uh, should it receive the same approval from the European Medicines Agency. And what's the strength of evidence like for CBD for epilepsy then? So these are very specific forms of epilepsy. So they're called Lennox-Gastaut and Dravet syndromes, those two forms. The The level of evidence is pretty high. So these are, there's been at least three really large-scale 
double-blind control studies where CBD was given alongside anti-epileptic medication and that compared to placebo and CBD did far better. So this is kind of, in a lot of these studies, maybe apart from one, the way CBD is being used is not as a like replacement or a sort of panacea or anything, but potentially as something that can enhance the effect of more what we might consider more traditional medications mm. or more conventional, maybe is a better word. I don't know what the right word is. Traditional medic- medication sounds like something else. But <laughs> you know what I mean? To, to, as an adjunct to improve how the current best treatment is working. Exactly. I mean, partly that's also because it's very difficult to run studies where patients who suffer from a condition do not take any medication and they're randomized to placebo. So you'd be worried about their health mm-hmm. as a participant in the study. But certainly that's been the case for the epilepsy studies because an interaction that's been noted is that CBD seems to increase uh, blood levels of the anti, uh, anti-epileptic medication in these patients. Oh, right. Because CBD has been found to block certain enzymes in the liver that help break down certain medications. And that is actually one of the concerns for the CBD oils that are out there. Although they're quite low potency, low amounts of CBD does seem to block the liver's uh, ability to break down medication. So if you're on a prescription drug, you might want to think about that before you start CBD oil. Mm. And that's something that I think probably people don't realise if it's being sold as something quite benign in a health food shop, that actually there might have these interactions that people really need to be aware of. Exactly. Mm. And you can get more side effect from the medication that you're on because you've added CBD to it. Yeah, that's very important. We've heard amazing stories of what CBD can do for certain types of epilepsy, so complete freedom from seizures in certain cases. And that's also been found in these clinical trials. But the rate of people being completely seizure-free is about, on average, 5%. Obviously, they would get all the media attention. Yeah. But there's also a, a big proportion of participants in studies that don't find any benefit or their conditions worsen. So as with any other medication, CBD might help some people with epilepsy. It's definitely better than placebo, so it does work, but it might not work for everyone. And for some, it might only work a little bit. Yeah. And I guess the difficult thing is we don't know for whom it will work and for who it won't work. Exactly. Okay, we've got a slightly, um, I don't know what the word, how to describe it, uh, a slightly um, mischievous, let's say, a mischievous question from, I'm going to name him, from friend of the podcast, Professor Harry Sumnall. He has asked what you think the impact of CBD appearing everywhere and it, the way that it's been appearing, the impact that this might have on sort of the public understanding of concepts like wellness and well-being and health. Oh, Harry. <laughs> you, don't, I, you don't have to answer it. I can cut this. Because it's kind of a asking for your opinion rather than anything else. But. Well, I mean, I guess for the reputation of CBD as an actual medication and a treatment for certain conditions, it might be quite damaging that it's out there as a wellness product because a lot of people might uh, dismiss it. A lot of people might actually go out to try these products because they've heard 
actual scientific studies show beneficial effects for different conditions. And then they try these homeopathic <laughs> level CBD products and find no benefits. So when you know a doctor might actually offer them some medical grade CBD, they'll be like, no, yeah, no, I've already no, thank tried you. it and it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, when actually they've tried a drop of it in, a, in an ocean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And famously, you know, the, the Billy Coldwell case, Billy's mum said that they tried CBD and CBD didn't work. And because of that, they went to Canada and, and got another preparation that had THC and claimed, therefore, that, that the, THC the THC yeah. was the active component. However, the, the thing that she failed to mention was that I think it was 50 to 1 ratio of CBD to THC. So only one fiftieth of that medication was THC. So most of that was CBD. So it's more likely that that was just a more higher quality product. And I think that's maybe clouded the view of CBD already, of of, that you need it to have some trace of THC to do anything or that it needs to be extracted from THC-containing cannabis rather than hemp. And yeah, it's it's a very complicated picture of CBD on quite little evidence at the moment. Yeah. Do you think that's a fair way of summarising it? So far, yes. There, there is still growing evidence and there's still reasons to be kind of excited Optimistic by and, yeah. Yeah, CBD. But let's just wait for a bit more research to be done. So, well, my final question was going to be, what, what don't we know? What kind of research are you really excited about that's going to be happening? What do you want to know about CBD? Well, well obviously <laughs> I'm quite biased towards the, the CBD if it can help make cannabis safer, because that's line of research that I'm... Okay, I'm, we'll say a little bit about that then, because I guess we haven't really touched on that. How, cannabis safer? Yes. As you mentioned before, several studies have found that, you know, hash is less harmful than, than so-called skunk or high-potency cannabis, and maybe that's because of the CBD. Our own kind of experimental mm-hmm. studies show that having a big dose of oral CBD protected against the paranoia and psychotic effects of THC. So in in a study that we've just now completed, I've not really looked at the data yet, so can't really share, but it was quite a big study. So 46 healthy volunteers came for four separate experiments. On each experiment, they get the same amount of THC, but on three of these experiments, they also get CBD in a one-to-one, two-to-one, and three-to-one ratio. So on the top one, you get three times as much CBD as you do THC. But every visit's the same amount of THC. And it's randomized, it's double-blind, it's crossover. So people who come, they get the cannabis through a vaporizer. They don't know which ratio they're getting on that day. So it could be the maximum CBD or it could be the THC only. yeah. Yeah. And the experimenter doesn't know either, so there's no chance of them accidentally kind of influencing exactly. the person's experience. Because as we know, substances is very, or well, intoxication experiences can be very subjective and influenced by what's going on around you. So mm. it's really important the experimenter doesn't know too. Exactly. And um, so what, once they're intoxicated, we do all sorts of tests. We get bloods from them to look at CBD, THC levels. We get blood pressure and heart rate readings. We do a whole battery of cognitive tests and lots of mood state questionnaires where they say how they're feeling, if it's pleasurable, unpleasant, anxious, paranoid. And we do like a psychiatric interview at the end to see if there are these kind of psychotic-like phenomena present 
or not. We give them a, a piece of chocolate and they get to listen to a song they've selected to, to see the pleasurable effects of cannabis as well. So whether or not a ratio outperforms another in terms of how much they enjoy chocolate or music. Because I guess you can create a less harmful version of cannabis, but if people who are going to take cannabis do it for the pleasurable effects and if they don't have them I guess then you can create the safest in inverted commas cannabis that you want but if no one's going to use it exactly what's yeah. the point very interesting um anything else that you're sort of hoping to see or that you think needs to be done in terms of well, research I, into CBD I think one of the really exciting things is the schizophrenia line of research yeah. because there's not really been any new psychiatric medications for what the last 50 years mm-hmm. and CBD seems to have such a good safety profile in terms of side effects where we know that antipsychotic medication a lot of people actually stop them because of the side effects so bigger studies with cbd for schizophrenia would be great Mm -hmm. because although the first couple of ones were quite positive we don't really know if it works in larger scale studies so that would be great to see in the future some sort of regulation for the cbd that you get on the high street so that people actually know how much they're taking and what else is in it and that kind of thing exactly just even if you just want these tiny dose cbd products at least that you know that has what it says it uh, has on the bottle and that it doesn't have anything that you don't want that can potentially cause you trouble either physically or legally if you're caught you know by the police on the side of the road and you're tested for cannabis you might show positive although you're not for intoxicated THC, even though yeah you've just... so what is like i mean legally cbd must be able to be sold because it is being sold but has that has that been kind of tested in courts or anything like that i think in the uk cbd is not scheduled so it's by that definition not mm. illegal but the products probably exist in some kind of gray area still interestingly in sweden today it was decided by the supreme court that an extract from hemp is not the same as hemp and in sweden there's no kind of minimum allowed amount of thc so thc is a narcotic substance and banned therefore and if you make an extract from hemp that's still considered a narcotic substance if there's any thc in it wow so that's gonna definitely impact the cbd industry in sweden very interesting that seems like a good place to wrap it up so um thank you very much thank you for your time and there we go thanks so much to Amir for taking the time to record this with me and for going through the current evidence as this is a field that's constantly changing I'll keep you posted with updates when they happen in other news I've been a guest on a couple of podcasts recently the first is the amazing dad does drugs podcast about a man trying to work out how to talk to his kids about drugs by going and asking the experts it's a really great listen and I highly recommend it I also had a great time going to meet Maddie and Kelsey from Freaking the F Out podcast to talk about anxieties around drugs. Both of these episodes are up online now, so hunt out those podcasts and give them a listen. Say Why to Drugs will be back in two weeks' time with the first of two episodes themed around drugs and music. One of these episodes is a live podcast that was recorded at Smithdown Road Music Festival a couple of weeks ago, and the other is an interview with Baby Shambles drummer and psychotherapist Adam Fychek. So stay tuned for those, but for now, bye!
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.